views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. It's Tuesday morning, 9.05, and you know what that means. It's another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour on Smoking 99.9 FM, WNRI. The books are piling up in my home office. Almost every day I get a new book or a manuscript or a request on email to get the book written, uh, get the book read, and then get it on the Author's Hour for exposure worldwide. So, on that particular case, we're going to do a daily double today. We are going to start off with an author that's already on the line, and the line is on fire. It's burning. We cannot wait to talk about Raising a Thief, a memoir by Paul Podolsky, a Connecticut author. Then we're going to have a brand new poetry book, uh, not for this particular author. It's about her third one, but she's going to be calling in also. But also a reminder, our lively literati at the Association of Rhode Island Authors is still on hold. You know, Perugina with the rules with this virus. We just got some traction, got it going good down at East Greenwich Hotel. And now the brakes are on because the crowds were just so big on it. But stay tuned for that. And we'll get that going on a once a month basis or maybe even at two locations when things get resolved on that. But. We have reacted, and we're holding our monthly meetings virtually now, and we're getting all the bugs out using Zoom and stuff like that to keep our association going. And uh, also, as you know, we're going to have our eighth annual expo. In the last few years, we've had it at the Roads on the Patuxet uh, all on the first Saturday of December, and we're going to keep that date, but we're going to have a virtual expo this year. And right now we have over 50 of our 377 authors that are going to participate along with seminars. You can click on any author, any seminar, and it's really going to be new, something really new for our group uh, digitally and virtually. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advanced notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. 
Transportation and Limousine Services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks today. And Lockout Service for your keys and your lockout by JRs and all hairstyles on the Author's Hour today are performed by Oscar Hancock from American Beauty. He's got a little side job he's doing on that. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. And today we got happy birthday to Billy Galloway. Uh, Dylan Moss turns 36 today. Debbie Schabowski, right there from Pasco, 61 today. Old poker playing, card playing friend of mine, Freddie Gay from uh, Northbridge, Massachusetts. A big birthday today. And uh, a former driver that I wish would really get behind the wheel again, Brandon Dion. He's uh, been off the uh, tracks now for a couple of years, and I really miss him. I hope he gets behind modified again. Now, also on Wednesday, November 18th, we will not be on the air, but I got to give a big shout out. Uh, Karen Marcotte, her and her husband ran the uh, Little General store in Harrisville for years, and now their son is the owner of it. She turned 64 down at Englewood, Florida, and I know she listens every week on TuneIn Radio right down there. Karen, a big happy birthday for you. I didn't forget, 64. And Erin Hopkins Monez, a former sponsor with a bunch of my shows, a real estate girl over in Chapacha turns 42 today. A big happy birthday to all of those people. Book Lovers Gourmet is having a big blast sale right now. Why wait until December? Buy in November at Book Lovers Gourmet at that brand new location. Best thing she ever did. She went from 1,000 square feet to 1,500. And Book Lovers Gourmet is on the same road, just a little farther up, 72 East Main Street in Webster. Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, Saturday, 10 to 4, 508-949-6232. And uh, Phyllis Bakery supplies all the pastry there. Uh, Hogan Brothers Coffee, you can buy it by the pound. And also, she has all local Massachusetts and New England authors, all in one section in the store. Book Lovers Gourmet, books, coffee, gifts, and so much more. 72 East Main Street and beautiful Webster, Massachusetts, 508-949-6232. On the line right now, we have author Paul Podolsky from Connecticut. The name of the book is Raising a Thief, and this particular genre is a memoir. And Raising a Thief is a rare portrait of a family struggling to raise a child with reactive attachment disorder. This is a new one for me. Often, this kind of challenge is hidden in the shadows, shrouded as a family's private pain. Instead, this unflinching account lays bare the hurdles to appropriate services, <coughs> excuse me, a child's development progress, a family's foundation as a unit, and what it means to love. And boy, I'll tell you, this is a very interesting read. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm very well. Good morning, Wayne. Thanks for having me on your show. Is this book number one for you? 
It is. It's my first book that I've written. Now, you've had experience working for papers and news uh, networks and stuff like that over the past. So that part of it wasn't strange to you. Why would you go with a memoir versus a non-fiction uh, or a non-fiction or a novel? That, that kind of gets my interesting up. You feel you had to get that memoir out to help other families? I did. And um, the, the second book I've written, uh, which I'm editing right now, is, is fiction. But this first book, I felt that it's an unbelievable story. It was one I obviously knew well. And I thought that taking the time to put our experience into words could help many, many families. And Wayne, so far since the publication of this in the summer, I've actually seen that to be true. Wow, so it's been out this summer. Did you self-publish on this? I did self-publish. I created a publishing house. Um, I worked with a, uh agent in New York for some time who uh, considered tra- traditional selling and she felt that the topic was uh, delicate and one that she was uncomfortable getting traditional publishers behind. And she, I think she was worried that it would scare people about adoption. Okay. Uh, my own thought was that um, the story is at times scary, but it's also true. And uh, by raising awareness on what happened, when a kid loses contact and trust with their primary caregiver, which is what happened to our daughter before we adopted her, that this public service message was uh, invaluable. And based on you know the reviews I'm getting on Amazon and Goodreads, it does seem to have connected with many people, not only who have a kid like this, but in fact, I would say any family that has a challenging family member and challenging family members come in all different types. Ours was a, a, a daughter who had been treated terribly before we adopted her, but I've heard from families with um, a schizophrenic brother or severely autistic sister or alcohol or drug dependence. Families can be really messy, as I'm sure you know, being a, a, a broad reader. And this is a story in that vein. I'm going to bring our audience up right now. I got an email in here from Boston, Massachusetts, from Johnny. He says, who is this author? I never heard about him. Okay. I'm going to give you a little uh, update on it about the author. Paul lives in Westport, Connecticut with his wife, Mariana, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Worked on Wall Street for over 20 years, most of which he spent at Bridgewater Associates. Started off as a journalist, which I detected, where my writing appeared in the Boston Globe, the Wall Street Journal, and aired on National Public Radio. He was educated at Brown Brown University and the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, part of Tufts University and Harvard University. He also studied at the Maurice Therese Institute of Foreign Languages in Moscow. That's where I think he met his uh, bride there. We have two adult children. One is a tech sector and the other is the subject of this book. I got to get you on the uh, wife, the girlfriend, the tall, dark, yeah. 
the tall, dark, exotic Russian. That was James Bond. <laughs> James Bond, the way you described that part in the book, I thought it was going to be a James Bond thriller. And then I remembered, no, no, this is a memoir. But you were so creative yeah. on that, uh, describing the character of that that set the basis for it and got my juices going. I says, he came out with this and got me going. He's going to catch me a couple more chapters later, which you did. Uh, that was really good. And I think maybe book number three, book number four, you can elaborate in that part of it, uh, exploring that character with the foreign base with an American guy. I think it's wide open for another story myself. That you know, it's my own uh, take on it. And then well, it's, it's interesting. You, you you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Hello. Yeah. You go ahead. Hello. Hi. I'm right Hello? here. Okay. Uh, let me elaborate on another part of the book. Okay. Uh, when you brought your wife. Hello. Hi. This is Wayne. I'm right here. Hello. Hello. I think we're having technical Hello. difficulty right now because I can hear you loud yeah, and clear. I, I can hear you loud and clear. Are you on a speakerphone? If you want, could you please shut that off? Just a second. Yeah, that should be better. Can you okay, I can hear you clear. Sorry, I apologize for that. Yeah, no, I was going to tell you a follow up on my wife for that whole story, but you had a second part to your question. I want to pull Okay, the second part in that was the introduction of your wife to your father I'm not going to say that maybe the elderly person is a racist or uh, profiles awful quickly a judgment maybe that generation or that you didn't explain in the book uh, what his um, mental or health condition was at the time you said he was in small quarters I don't know was he first starting with dementia or something like that Yes, uh, two parts of your thing. The meeting of my wife and subsequent follow-up book, and then the the uh, the. It, it, for listeners who haven't read the book, the story is basically it's following over twenty years, my wife and I adopting this Russian orphan, and the first part of the book um, is well, how I met my wife in Russia to begin with, but at our first child, et cetera, leading up to what led us to um, adopt. So on the. Um, uh, I agree with you that that's a fascinating uh, possible uh, third book. And her, my mother-in-law, who is alive and well, who figures this book too, who is 90 and living in Moscow, we have regular Skype sessions with because of COVID because nobody can visit one another. So I believe that talking about that relationship, uh, the grandmother and my wife, and it, uh, looking at this, from American eyes, I think could be a great second memoir. So I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. In terms of the uh, initial meeting, I meet Marina in Moscow. Um, my wife, we fall in love. I bring her back to meet my father. And my father was at that point struggling with uh, neurological disease. It's kind of a rare one. It's called Scheidrager syndrome. Okay. And that did impact his ability to sort of emotionally respond appropriately. Okay, I detected that in the book, and 
I just I was waiting for the answer of it, you know, the condition of him uh, physically at that point. And then I put two and two together, and I says, i got to ask him that on the radio. Uh, that, you know, you could have elaborated more on that, but you chose to go that route. Uh, maybe for a future character or something like that, and that's entirely up to the author. On this right here, you say you're getting some feedback on Goodreads and probably Amazon with uh, comments and stuff like that. Is it strictly from other writers or is it families that have a family member with the same condition? What I've it, what I've seen is, is the book has resonated, I would say, with three different um, themes quite strongly. The first one is the impact of trauma on a family. Our uh, daughter was starved before we adopted her. She was starved three to zero in six months. And you would think that a child like that would not remember what happened. That, of course, our daughter does not consciously remember anything. But because that trauma happened both so early to our daughter and it's so severe, because if you think about what an infant needs, the most basic thing they need when they're little is to be held and to be fed. And that was denied to our daughter. And that then led to a series of very, very fundamental changes in her behavior that is backed up by research that actually shows more disruption happens to a kid when they experience something bad early on than later. Once you've established a secure base, kids are more resilient. So I'd say the first theme that a lot of people have resonated with is how trauma works. And as opposed to seeing it in a very theoretical example, see it in a very practical example of uh, a New England family that is uh, adopting and loving this child. We have a biological child of our own, as you said earlier, and investing tons of resources to try to heal our daughter, but really failing, and failing because the depth of the damage was so profound. So that's one thing that people have resonated with. Another group of people have really resonated with the concept of modern fatherhood, what I would describe as fatherhood 3.0. There is my grandfather's generation of fatherhood who designed success as putting food on the table. Then there was my father's version of fatherhood, which was food on the table plus an education. And I was fortunate enough to you know, go to, go to uh, Brown and, and the Fletcher School, which is part of Tufts, as, as in part because of his encouragement. But neither Dad 1.0 or 2.0 was about being emotionally connected to those around them. My version of uh, my generation of dads, I think, is trying to not only put food on the table and provide their kids with an education, but also try to be friends with their kids and a good guy to their wife. And it's not always easy to do that well. And so this book goes into my struggles to appropriately support my wife when she was dealing, when we were dealing with this very challenging kid. And the third theme that people resonated with a lot, and you spoke about some too, is Russia. Russia is threaded all throughout this book. After I graduated Brown, I lived in Russia for three years and worked there. My daughter's from Russia, my wife's from Russia, our son was born in Russia. And so the impact of Russia on their lives and trying to understand that, and I think providing some perspective on really why Russia is perceived the way it is right now uh, in America. That's a third theme. So I think trauma, fatherhood, and Russia are all things that people seem to be resonating with when they read the book. 
there was a part in the book about the medical services in Russia. And when she was labeled as uh, prone or going to have a definite miscarriage and stuff like that, she was automatically classified in group with another group of females. Well, oh, don't worry about this group. They're all going to lose their babies. And then uh, the malnutrition started with the uh, small regiment of daily food. So you took on another task. And you hired an outside cook to come in, prepare these meals, and then like an espionage, try to get all this food in for the, your wife and other female patients in there. That that was so interesting on that. Yes, the uh, that's true. So this is, again, this is before we adopted our daughter, when my wife was pregnant with our son. Um, she had a very high-risk pregnancy. They hospitalized her, but the food was terrible at the hospital. I was working as a journalist at the time, so I was working all day long, but I couldn't get, by the time I finished work, the visiting hours at the hospital were over. It was maybe more like the hospital feel more the 1950s, where there was very strict yep. visiting hours. And so to get in, I asked friends in Moscow how I could get into the hospital. And what's the still very close friend who's the physician he said very simple we'll dress you up as a doctor we'll put a doctor's white coat on you in Russia the doctors wear white hats and then we'll get you inside the hospital and I said well what do I do when I knock on the door because what I, even though I speak Russian I said when I speak Russian they'll hear an accent and he said just limit it to one word and I said what word do I say in Russian and he said the word you say in Russian is which basically means one of your own. Just one word means that. And so I practiced that until I could say that almost without an accent. And then I would come up each night and bag on the doors, and the security people would come up and ask who I was, and I would answer with this magical word, and they would let me in. And that's how I got into the hospital each night to be my wife. And then because of Russian culture, as you know, wait, I had to bring food for the other women that were in the ward or else that would have been considered incredibly rude. So I brought a whole sports bag of food into the hospital each night while she was there. The name of the book is Raising a Thief, a memoir by Paul Podolsky, a Connecticut author. Very, very good book. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, you've got a, a few hooks earlier in the book to keep you amused on it, reading it, wanting more and more. And I cannot wait for future books that you've got coming out because I think we have a, a diamond right here as a local author again. I'm glad you chose to write this book and with the training you have in your earlier years writing on that, it should get easier and easier as you go along with those creative juices flowing on that. Are you doing any virtual book signings at this time? or How are you going addressing the marketing of your book? Um, I, yes. So, Eddie, I have a off page. Uh, I have a website, Paul Podolsky, P-O-D-O-L-S-K-Y dot com that people can contact me on. I also have a Facebook page that's dedicated to the book. Um, and I have done lots of, uh, book groups and, uh, library talks. And, and recently I started doing more media appearances too. So if, if there are readers who are interested in the book and would, or a, a local bookstore, um, many of those are closed because of COVID. 
I'm appearing at all of those, so I have a schedule. I'm uh, more than happy to meet with readers and discuss it. And those, those have been some fascinating conversations. I've gotten such good questions from readers. Uh, so far, those mostly have been um, uh, in Connecticut, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to. Uh, actually, I've done actually some Connecticut, one actually in China as well. I spent a long time of my career working in China, and readers there got interested in the book. So. Um, uh, yes, I'm doing virtual book signings and available to do more. People should feel free to reach out. Paul, are you a member of CAPA, the Connecticut Authors no. and Publishers Association? No, I'm not. Okay, because that's a big one in Connecticut. Matter of fact, it's so big, they got like three different chapters. They break the state up in threes. On Rhode Island, we have the Association of Rhode Island Authors with 377, I think it is. But I believe that one up in Connecticut's got over 2,000 members in it. And the networking opportunities, you got to get into those groups because they'll come available where that group will get an offer. They got to supply 20 or 30 authors to an event and they go quick. You know, or or by a lottery, but it gives you an opportunity to get out there and uh, you know talk up your book. Wonderful, work. thank you. I've written that down, and I'll do it. You're right, Wade. That what you're earlier. We're all so busy, and we get inundated with so much information. With your first time author, distinguishing your work for the rest of it out there takes a lot of effort. And I'm very sympathetic with the part of readers. They don't want to waste their time on a book that's not great. But obviously, I think this book is a a great book and. Uh, again, the reader response so far has been very enthusiastic. Paul, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the Author's Hour and get me that second sure. and third book that you got coming. You got my address. Get it right over to me. Okay, great. We'll do it. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that concludes that part of the show right there. And uh, what a great job he did on that. I wonder, wonder who, who, who. Who wrote the book of love? Tell me, tell me, tell me Who wrote the book of love? I've got to know the answer Was it someone from the bar? I wonder, wonder Who wrote the book of love?
Headed all to number five in 1958 by the Monotones, another one-hit wonder. John Sherwood Brothers Liquidators has come on board, and boy, has he got an inventory for you. Uh, we started sponsoring him when he did uh, Walgreens Liquidation over in North Smithfield, and then he had success with that on the radio ad, and then we uh, did one up in South Portland, Maine, when he emptied out another retail establishment up there, and now he's accumulated inventory. So John Sherwood Builders uh, Brothers Liquidators, located at the Building 9 in the Tupperware Condos, uh, Tupperware Drive in Blackstone, Mass. You know that big, big old mill that you can see over the St. Paul Street, right over the river? Well, go past the condos, and you'll see the big sign on the building, building number nine. And American Beauty, uh, Desiree with three E's designed that sign, did a great job on it. 219-802-3769. Now, if you're trying to make up from your first quarter losses this year with the virus, or a brand new business that's looking for a niche market to replace somebody that closed up, He's got two-door, three-door coolers, freezers, checkout counters, every single size of retail shelving and accessories. And I mean he is going to pass the savings on to you. You come up with your five-year business plan, uh, $3,000, $5,000 for the shelving. Cut that figure right down to a very minuscule total on that by using and recycling New shelving, coolers, and freezers. Maybe you want to add on to your own business right now. Call John. Also, if you are uh, very good in social media and on the computer, he's looking for help, too. He wants to really put this business on the map. So give John a call 24-7-219-802-3769. Boy, I'll tell you, and it'll increase your bottom line. It is Tuesday, and you know what that is. The best deal on pizza in anywhere in New England, maybe the whole entire country. Cereals, Pizza Rama, and Restaurant with that fantastic Tuesday special. Uh, Tuesday, the main dining room is open from 11 to 8. About the uh, pizza and takeout on the right-hand side of the building is available by 401 568 7187. And he's sticking with that special on Tuesday, and boy, does he sell some pizza. A large cheese pizza every Tuesday at Cereals, 15 slices, rectangle shape, right in the top five by Jeff Gamash, right here at W1RI, only $6. Add on your own pepperoni and your mushrooms. That's enough for two meals for the empty nesters and enough to watch Masterpiece Theater on PBS. Yeah, how are you going to beat it for $6? And don't forget the Sunday Sunday dinner for two. Uh, every week at Cereal's Pizza Rima, a choice of six to ten entrees, $19.99 for two people. Include soda or coffee, including decaf, and top it all off with a homemade dessert. How are you going to beat that? $19.99. Give that server uh, an extra fin on that. It'll make you feel good, her feel good, and Jimmy too. And don't forget that comma comes right around. 
52 years in business at that Bridgeton Triangle, Sirio's Pizza Rammer and Restaurant and Restaurant, uh, 568-7187, and you got to put Popular 401 in the beginning of that and uh, give you a nice delivery for the uh, football games, whatever. Super stuff. Fenway Park special up there, too, with that uh, nice uh, Italian sausage sub that they have. Another one of our businesses is going to be open, I believe, at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. And they got Sunday hours, too, 11 to 3. And I've got to go up there because I'm getting low on my uh, local natural honey that I put on my oatmeal. So i got to put that. I'm reminded of it right now. I'm going to make a note. Uh, please enjoy. And then we're going to get the second part of our doubleheader today. Uh, sidesteps, terrorizing sound bites, part two. Some things are black and white by Amy Jean, and that's coming up right after these words from our sponsor. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle, gluten-free products, over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks, help your body to reinforce its immune response, hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlean's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. HarvestMoonHealthFoods.net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And Brian will be returning up the uh, seven-race schedule up at Thompson this year. A lot of Wednesday night racing. Uh, also, I get a lot of emails and talk from my friends. They ask me how I uh, combat the sinuses and stuff that I've always had a problem with. I get an elderberry pill I use every morning, and I get my elderberry pills right there at Harvest Moon Health Foods. A 500 milligram, I take one every morning with my honey, and seems to help me out a lot. Uh, yes, it is true. Bonds and Noble at the Lincoln Plaza in Worcester, Mass. Uh, last day was October 31st. Uh, people are wondering what's going on up there. That did close. I think they got two left up in that area, Millbury and Lemister, and that's it. But the Worcester uh, Lincoln Plaza one is fiending. I don't think it was from lack of sales. I think they leased one up on and put it out of reach. And also, uh, Beelow's Flowers. The big truck was pulling in when I was coming down the road today. And they still got an ample supply of fall decorations if you're late. And you still got some nice weather to get some color out there and probably pass on the savings to you. And also, uh, fresh produce. If your garden is all done finally after all these frosts, but you still want that taste, but a nice fresh tomato or tomato sandwich and stuff like that, they have fresh produce every day at Belu's Flowers and a full florist. Flowers from a florist last longer. I know I, I used to sell a lot of flowers in my shopping classes over the year. They're, you know, for three or four days, a quickie type of thing. When you get something from a florist, it lasts and lasts. And talk about that. How about a, get a nice dish garden? Give that as a gift. It'll be on somebody's desk or in their office. And every time they look at it, they're going to think of who gave them that dish garden. 
She's got that and so much more with that fantastic gift shop. Just let Jeannie know what you're allowable in your budget, and she will match the perfect gift for you. Belo's Flowers and Gift Shop, award-winning store at 401-766-3165. Daily Double, we got to get this work out. And boy, I'll tell you, I'm getting some quality books. And I talked with a publicist last night about our next guest. And I was uh, telling her I'm getting a nice explosion of poetry, uh, books in the mail, and a lot of emails on interest in poetry. With this pandemic that's going on, people are getting reintroduced into the fantastic world, the genre of poetry. The name of the book we're going to discuss right now, it's a fantastic cover too, Sidesteps, Terrorizing Soundbites, Part 2. Some Things Are Black and White by Amy Jean. And I've got some questions for her on that. And they're going to talk to her a little bit about an introduction. And Sidesteps, Terrorizing Soundbites Part 2, Amy Jean continues to share the ramifications of repetitive historical missteps in an intense poetic clang. The poems hint at unknown universal truths, including direct uh, indications that we are currently do not have the freedom we assume we possess, nor are we privy to view reality. Good morning. How are you, Amy? I'm doing well. How are you this morning, Wayne? Are you the first author in your family? I am, yes. Okay. What what got you going? What got your creative juices flowing to get out there and I'm going to write a book and I'm going to keep going on it and that's going to be my vocation? What got you charged up? Well, I'll tell you, life events uh, are what happened. I was not somebody um, who was a writer or even a reader, um, creative, painting, none of that kind of thing. I was more of a numbers person. I um, had a degree in business finance and studied psychology, but the creative thing was not at all, didn't like writing, English, any of that. But um Life kind of took a turn, and some, I guess, mystical, otherworldly, profound things started happening to me. And about 12 years ago, I started keeping a journal and writing these things down and started to realize that I'm seeing, understanding, hearing, feeling, knowing things that other people don't seem to know, see, or understand, or I'm not finding people who are are seeing or understanding these things, so I thought I should I should write this, and I started writing my memoir, which I have two books that I've self-published, or two volumes of my memoir, um, The Kingdom Has Arrived, Volume 1, which is Foundations, it's kind of my childhood, um, and then Part 2 is called Passion Fire, um, and so I was writing my memoir, and it's a combination of poetry and prose. And um, I have three grown sons, and they were kind of saying to me the the poetry part. They felt you're you're really good at that, and so I decided I'm going to um, sort of sidestep, if you will, and do just um, a spinoff in poetry because I think a lot of times people don't want to hear or have a hard time. That's what they don't want to. I think people have a hard time grasping mystics 
or people who see or understand things that they can't. It's just a hard thing to kind of grasp or draw people into. But putting it in poetry, I think, is a way to kind of um, be more of a gentle approach. It, it kind of can open one's mind to sort of think about things, how things could be or how are we looking at things. Um, so that's how I, I got on the sidesteps. And the, the first poetry book is just called Sidesteps, Terrorizing Sound Bites. And then this one that, that you have in hand is, is part two, Some Things Are Black and White. Um, and then I have a third piece of that called A Step Back, um, which is coming out in January. So. Okay, when you started out on this, you probably started out with Amazon Create Space, and now you switched over and you're calling a Gene Publications LLC uh, for the copyrights and stuff like that. Uh, you would consider yourself a hybrid publisher using Create Space now? Is that your avenue? Yes, what I'm doing now is I, I basically set it up under my own publishing company so that if I find other people who who are writing something that that's new or creative, I can sort of help them, you know, get get their work and their thoughts together and find um, designers. So I'm using a combination of the, you know, it's not Create Space anymore. It's just the KDP yeah. that's associated with Amazon. And then also I'm working with another um, publisher or just printer, really. They don't do any publishing or promoting a printer. And so all of these books I've done in hardcover with illustrations because I'm sure you can see by looking at the, the book, I have a great illustrator and um, designer who's doing the covers and the pictures for me and the layout. Um, and, of course, it's, you know, being self-published using any of these other venues is just way too expensive to print a book in I'm, hardcover with color pictures. So I'm, I'm working, doing that on my own. I'm working on a children's book right now. And I've got to commend you on the quality of the material of this book. The cover is so nice and rigid, and the quality of the paper that you use. I know when you get on the computer screen and you start loading in your files, no matter what publisher you're using, you have the choices on different types and materials of paper. In this particular stuff that you used on this, this type of paper is, I think, going to sell a lot of the book. If you get the book in the store and the people open this book and feel these pages, I think it was worth the investment. Do you remember off the top of your head what font that was on that or that style of paper you used? Um, I would have to go back and, and look at it on my computer on the, the website for the printer that I have. Um, but, yeah, one of the things that I wanted to do, and, in fact, the, the first sidestep book is a little bit um, more artsy. You know, you open the front page, and it tells you why to close the book, turn it upside down, and read from the back first. Um, and one of the things, I think, with technology now, everybody kind of reads everything, and I do the same, or listen on Audible, or read on your Kindle, and we're sort of missing that grasping a book and feeling the page and looking at, the creative, you know, artwork. Um, and so I wanted the book to be something that people would grasp. I don't have these poetry books electronic because I don't think it does them justice. Um, I, I but agree. But yeah, I, I think value I, in, 
and actually holding on to the food. I, I think you uh, made a great choice on this. And also, Eric Savage, uh, he didn't overdo any of the illustrations. And that's very easy to do now with digital printing on illustrators. He kept it simple and right to the point to the poem. And I'll tell you, you use click together on this. It, it's unbelievable. It is a piece of art. Thank you. I got one in here that I, I had to read it to my wife a couple of times. Number two, disgraced. <laughs> a couple of them been here. I stop when I'm reading and I use my wife as an audience. And I would say the last five years, I'm starting to get into poetry, which I had blocked out, just like a romance book. You know, uh, male chauvinists or older from my generation. I'm not going to touch a romance book. I'm not going to do poetry. And now, with the author's hour and getting involved in this industry, reinventing myself, this poetry thing is really getting to me, especially on on nature, nature poem. But this one here, some of them, you just clicked with me. You got the juices flowing in me. Uh, could you... Another one I really like. I marked in here. I got a big mark on it. Make sure you bring this one up. Can you describe your mental state on number eight, social distancing? Okay, I don't know sure. if you got I don't know if you got the book in front of you or you haven't memorized. But that one there I do. I, I, that one there just moves yeah, me. I, yeah, I pulled the book up just because I've written an entire another, you know, book since this, so I had to pull it up to have it in front of me. So, a lot of my, um, a lot of this book, I think I wrote in probably a month. It was like last December, November, December, and then, of course, it takes a whole year to get all the illustrations and layout and revisions and everything. But, um, this particular poem, um, was from a series of dreams, and I'm someone who, you know, in this past 12 years since all of these mystical things started happening, I'll get this flood of um, vision, and you can see these visions I see, they aren't all me. And it's almost like the visions and sometimes the dreams that are so lucid that I wake up in the middle of the night, and I have to write down um, the dream, and sometimes it's in the these words or these phrases that are like a rhythm where I feel almost like um, either in the dream or sometimes when I'm out on a run, I like to run and like behind the music, these words and thoughts will come to me in this particular rhythm. And it's almost like I somehow am bending right into nature and the words just flow through me. So, so a lot of this particular poem um, is just dreams. Um, visions, and then some of it to me is just common sense. Yeah. <laughs> As I say here, rework the country using common sense. I mean, if you look at, at laws and how much money is spent on lobbyists and all these things, when we could use common sense and save all that money and all of these things that we spend sort of spending time and money spinning in circles on actually fixing problems, we would all be so much happier. And so it's a combination of those three things, really. Now, you brought up a subject that is a commonality amongst our group. Uh, when you start writing, 
and the juices start flowing. I think every one of us dream more. We get up at two or three, even if you're a male with the prostrate or whatever, but keep a pad and pencil on your uh, desk or in the bathroom or somewhere because uh, with me, in my case, I can lay down, go back to sleep, and I get right back in the same dream. It's like I go to the next chapter. I don't miss a beat on it. And I'll go through a story, a short story or an essay from start to finish by the time I get up at 5.30. And it, it plays out, and then you wonder, am I going crazy? But you've awakened part of your brain, the writers, that it doesn't stop. The juices just keep flowing on it. And at the same time, you are still getting your sleep because you get up and you're not overtired and stuff like that. And you were talking about the journal. And you didn't start out to be a writer. I don't think anybody does. But if you do that journal, and that's the biggest advice I can give to our listening audience, write a diary, write a journal. your, Your gut feeling is telling you to do that. In 99% of all nature, you get a gut feeling on something, on a decision you should do, and you should follow it. At the end of the year, you've got 365 essays or short stories. Even if you throw half of them away, you got enough material for a book. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept my journal for probably 8 to 10 years before I realized, oh, my gosh, this is an this is an incredible story. I don't, I, you know, I'm certainly not the best writer and maybe never will be, but this is an incredible story. I need to write it down because then it's in print and someday somebody may look at this and say, oh my gosh, she had a clue about this, this, and this, <laughs> you know? It's, it's amazing, the, the commonalities. Can I read something out of your book? Do I have your permission? Please do. I, I'm not a fantastic yeah, orator, but this one here I got marked. Disgraced is the name of this one here. If I were in charge, I wouldn't need money. I wouldn't need fame to get humanity to hearken my claims. Never tossed or lost to sink to the shades where my body is pillaged and my existence disgraced. I'd be the face of good in what is right and life would be lived at monumental heights, unknown to those who don't understand the truth of the universe and the wrongs that won't last when all comes to pass. That's a 10. And I mean that. That is a 10. That's a universal yeah. poem. Any any age group, it, that has to resonate. Absolutely. You're doing very, very well, young lady. You really are. And uh, I'm glad you uh, chose this field to go into it. Well, if you're just tuning in, you listen to the Author's Hour on Smoking 99.9, Alexa, Armed Forces Network. A uh, tremendous amount of people listening on Simple Radio Now, of our absolute free app on your Android or your handout phone. And I use it uh, out in the yard when I'm working. I listen to my radio shows on Simple Radio a lot of times. They come in nice and clear. And this is part two. I I don't have her other works. I'm going to look for them. Uh, Side Steps, Terrorizing Soundbites, part two. Some things are black and white, 
and by Amy Jean. And also, I didn't even touch on that much at all, the illustrations. They're worth the price of the book alone. The artists that you have doing the illustrations, they are that good of quality. And the paper just has a nice feel to it. And I've got to get experiment on that. Actually sit down with a printer because that children's book that I'm going to do, I'm going to use that same hard copy that you have. So it will last with the kids. But this paper, I think, is actually washable. It's got a nice, nice feel to it. And I can picture that, the kids with the sticky fingers, where the parents will be able to uh, clean that off easy. But uh, thank you very much for coming out with this book. Yeah, thank you for having me today. What's the best way for our listening audience to purchase all of any of your works? All of them are on Amazon, um, both the memoir, which is The Kingdom Has Arrived, and then uh, both of the sidestep books. And I actually have with my first, the first line of my memoir, I have a journal that goes along with it. It's called an insight journal. And um, the first volume of my memoir, The Kingdom Has Arrived Foundation, um, has each chapter has a scripture of the Bible um, where my life fits right in with particular scripture. And it kind of allows the reader to contemplate themselves in that scripture and write a journal of, of how it might affect their life. Um, so all of those are available on Amazon and also on um, my website, which is amyjean.live. Amy Jean, where do you call home? Where do you hang your hat? Oh, gosh, Charlotte, North Carolina. From North Carolina? Not a strong accent, though. Have you lived there a long time? Well, I've been there 12 years. Okay. Born in Toledo, Ohio. Born in Toledo, Ohio, and I've moved all over the Midwest, Canada, Northeast. Lived in Maine for a while. Philadelphia for 12 years. So, a blend. North Carolina home now. I'm glad you took the time to call on the author's hour. Send me some of your material. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I will. Thank you. That concludes that part of the show. And boy, I'll tell you, this is really getting fun uh, going on a double header on it. And uh, I think that formula, if I can go essays, memoirs, or poetry on the second half of the show, I'll be able to get caught up on my endless inventory. You know, I was over at a drift show over Thompson Speedway again, and um, 250 cars showed up, but it was really worth it. And just to see the look on my grandson's face on how much he enjoys it was worth it, getting out there with my hooded sweatshirt on. But we run into the same thing. Every time we go back, you always see somebody kicking the tires or slamming the hood. They've locked their keys and key fob in the car. Now, who are they going to call? They're going to call an ex-wife and be reminded uh, three months behind on the alimony. Nope, I'll give you enough time. They should be calling Larry's 24-hour towing at 401-568-6286. Lockout service. Maybe you need just a jump start to get you going. The dome light was on. Or you slid off with the very first black ice. No damage. You just want to get back on the road. 24-hour service. Larry's 24-hour towing, lockout service, jump start. 401-568-6286. Also the same home as Barrowville Motor Sales with used auto and truck sales. New arrivals every day. And if you call that phone number that I just gave you, you can schedule a Rhode Island vehicle state inspection right there. One of the last 13 states that does it. 401-568-6286. 
You know, Gene is not going to give that up. Peter, Jerry, uh, John, Brian, the rest of the staff, all ASE certified, repairs five days a week from 8 to 5, 24-7 on the towing, the pushing. Uh, maybe you just bought something that's not registered. You want to get it home without a ticket. Just give them the address. They'll take care of the rest. Also, expert body work and insurance estimates. They work with all companies. 401-568-6286. And I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, one of our sponsors, their race car will be over at Thompson this year. They have a, a seven-race schedule so far at Thompson. And for all of your needs, it's Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Pick up a ship daily from Six Hill Road in Harrisville, uh, the home of Hopkin Brothers Auto Repair, also with the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island. 401-710-9992, open 8 to 5. Race car parts supplier and custom fabrication. They'll actually build you a race car. Chassis setup. They got all the jigs. Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. Race car parts and service from a career long racer, Mr. Shane Hopkins. 401-710-9992. You see their 50, uh, 53 foot trailers and all the racing events loaded to the Brimwood Race Pots. Also, chrome goodies, too, out of Sweet Manufacturing. Any of those chrome goodies and all that stuff in that catalog, just give them a call, give them the part number, 15% off, and have it shipped right there to the store. No problem at all. Boy, an hour goes by fast. Today, I'd like to thank our authors, uh, Paul Podolsky, Raising a Thief, a nice Connecticut author here. And part two today was Sidesteps Terrorizing Soundbites, part two, Some Things Are Black and White, by a brand new author, I can't wait to see her other works, Amy Jean. Remember tomorrow, have the best day of your life. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnriyahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.